Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about the power of accusations. You ever been accused of something you didn't do? (laughs) It hurts, doesn't it? It's not true. You didn't actually do what you're being accused of doing, and yet it still causes you great pain. Accusations, whether they're true or false, have the power to shatter reputations, destroy relationships. They can bring down the most powerful, and they can destroy what appear to be the strongest of all marriages. Accusations are powerful. This Old Testament man named Job knew that well. I'm going to assume that most, if not all of you, have heard of Job. He's pretty famous for his suffering. If you haven't, you're going to get an introduction to Job tonight. In one day, Job lost his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, and his camels, and everyone who took care of those animals for him, 10,000 plus deaths in one day. His entire source of income, everything that he had set aside for retirement, all his wealth, gone, dead. And as if that wasn't bad enough, That very same day, his seven sons and three daughters were gathered together in a building. They were celebrating life's great blessings, and the building they were in collapsed, and all ten died. In one day, Job lost his ten children and all his wealth. What would you have done? What would you have said to God if that happened to you. Here's what Job said. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He worshipped. He worshipped his God. He said, I didn't come with anything and I'm not going to leave with anything. Everything I had, the Lord gave. He has taken it all away. I praise him nonetheless. And you'd think that's about as bad as it could get. Then it got worse. Job was inflicted with some sort of disease that caused his body to be covered with sores, boils, from head to toe, on the bottoms of his feet so he couldn't stand, on his back so he couldn't sit or lay down. He found comfort in finding shards of pottery and scraping the boils with the pottery. That was comforting to him. That's how bad he suffered. His wife She turns to him and said, 
Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Job replies to his dear wife, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Maybe you know what it's like when the troubles of this world hit you like a wave and then another wave and then another wave. Relationships fall apart. Someone you love is taken from you unexpectedly. And as if that wasn't bad enough, then all of a sudden you get a diagnosis, she gets a diagnosis, he gets a diagnosis. And just when you think it can't get any worse, another wave, another wave washes over you. That's what was happening to Job. You'd think he could at least rely on his friends to help get him through this challenging time. But as his friends come to him, they accuse him. They say, Job, it must be you. We don't know what you've done, but you must have done something because God would not let you suffer the way that you are suffering unless you had done something really terrible. What is it? Admit the truth, repent. Job says, I I haven't done anything. I don't know why this is happening, but they keep coming after him. They keep saying, you must have done something. And eventually... He cracks. Job says to the Lord, if I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Job was so full of despair, he cracked. He gave in to the pressure and he pointed the finger at God and he said, this is your fault. You are unjust You are unloving. You don't care about me. You are not faithful. He pointed the finger at God and he said, this is your fault. This Lenten season, in our midweek services, we are going to keep gathering and we're going to keep seeing God on trial. We're going to see people point the accusing finger at their God saying, you did this. This is your fault. We're going to see Caiaphas do it. We're going to see Herod do it. We're going to see Pilate do it. We're going to see crowds do it. But before we watch them throw fingers and accusations at their God, we should at least stop this Ash Wednesday and try to better understand the accusations that we tend to throw our God's way. When the suffering comes, what do you say? Lord, why are you doing this to me? What have I done to you to deserve this? How can you treat me this way? What have I done? Enough already. I've had enough. I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I'm tired. Stop. And even if you don't get to those specific types of accusing phrases, 
It's the impatience. It's the frustration. It's the attitude inside your heart that's fed up with God and all that he has done. God speaks. He takes Job's accusations like he listens to ours. But then God starts talking. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And then God begins throwing questions at Job. Where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Where were you when I put the boundaries on the sea and threw the stars into the heavens? Where were you? And how about as I continually sustain all that I have made? As I send rain, as I send snow, as I bring clouds and sun and wind, where are you? when I sustain all that I have made. Who are you to accuse me? What do you know? You know nothing. You have no idea what you're talking about. Shut your mouth. And Job says... Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. I repent in dust and ashes. And now God had Job right where he wanted him. In a place of repentance. Your God has called you to repentance through his word time and time again and oftentimes he has done that through people who love you and care about you, through your parents, maybe through a sibling, through a spouse, a friend, a pastor, a teacher, but don't forget that sometimes, sometimes God calls you to repentance simply through suffering. In Luke chapter 13, there's this fascinating account where a group of people come to Jesus because of a tragedy that had just taken place. A number of Gentiles had been slaughtered by Pontius Pilate's soldiers inside the temple, and they wanted to know what Jesus thought about this tragedy. Here's what he said. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. When you see tragedy in the lives of others, repent. You are dust and ashes. You are going to die and you don't know when. When tragedy comes in your life, repent. You are dust and ashes. You are going to die and you don't know when. Repent. Acknowledge the truth. 
Acknowledge the truth that God has revealed to you about yourself. Acknowledge your foolishness. Acknowledge your narrow perspective that too often does not see things accurately because you're looking at things in such a narrow way, in such a temporal way, you're measuring things with clocks and calendars and you forgot about eternity, but your God didn't. He never does. Acknowledge what's true about your faulty perspectives. Acknowledge the foolishness of pointing the finger at God. Acknowledge the truth of your sin. And then cling to the truth about your God. Cling to the truth that your God takes the accusations he does not deserve and he takes it and he takes it and he never breaks. He took on flesh. He never once, never once had an accusation that was true about him. Never once. But he went to a cross where he endured your accusations and mine and he never flinched. He just took it. He took the hell that my sins deserve. He took the hell that your sins deserve and he never cracked. He never pointed a finger at his father. He never said this is unjust even though it was the most unjust thing that had ever happened. He allowed himself to be treated as though he had committed your sins and mine and he took the punishment willingly. That's the truth. And to repent means you not only cling to the truth about your own sinfulness, you also cling to the truth that your God is gracious, that he has taken every single arrow you have thrown at him, he has taken our accusation so that we never will. Job had a, a low point in his life, but he never lost faith. In Job chapter 19, we hear these words, these poetic words that have been etched into our Easter celebration. And remember, we start here because we're going to an empty tomb. Job confessed, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job knew his Redeemer, but he did not know his Redeemer's name. You do. His name is Jesus. God in the flesh, who took your accusations and mine so that we never will. You will suffer again. If you continue to live, you will suffer again. Of that I'm confident. And Satan will come and he will whisper and he will accuse and he will try to convince you that God is unjust, that God is treating you in a way that you don't deserve. Remember Job, but don't remember the man. Remember the God who sustained Job. Remember the God who gave Job everything he needed to endure even these most horrific of tragedies. Do you, do you remember how the story of Job began? Satan came to God and said, aha, 
This one, I can get him to fall from you. He's just too comfortable. Let me take it all away and he will curse you and die. And God said, have at it. Satan tried to take everything from him, but God would not allow him to take Job's life and God would not allow him to take Job's faith. God sustained him. God even blessed him just as God blesses you and I who hear of him. You will suffer. But remember as you do that your Savior Jesus who suffered is now alive and he is with you as you suffer. The one who endured hell on the cross for us will sustain you and me as we suffer. Brothers and sisters, there is no need for despair. There is no need for accusation. There's not even a need to understand because your God perfectly understands how even your suffering will be for your good and it will be. And he will get all the praise and all the glory. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amen.